0: You this morning. I just want to tell you my heart is full, uh, not just with expectation uh, from the Lord, but um, there was a different feel while we were singing this morning. There was a participation that was fresh in our hearts, and I don't know about you, but I just I feel like there's just a atmosphere of expectation in this room, and so I want to honor you this morning uh, by pouring your hearts out to Jesus. You make it easier for other people. To pour their hearts out as well, and our hearts will connect with who He is and what He's doing. And I'm excited about that. Ready? Sweet. I see a few people smiling. Can you smile for me this morning? All right, that's better. That's good. There's a new excuse for not getting your homework assignments done. I don't know what your excuse was when you were younger. I'm sure we all had very creative ones. But what's the classic? The dog ate my homework. Well, this is no longer an excuse because nobody does their homework with pens and pencils and paper anymore. The new excuse, uh, the new reason, is a homework gap or what's commonly called the digital divide. According to a Pew analysis, 17% of students, listen to this, 17% of students cannot carry out their assignments because of lack of high-speed internet Or access to digital devices. Meaning the homework that teachers are giving have to do with computers. And my children who happen to be homeschooled uh, have that excuse sometimes. Because how many of you know computers don't always cooperate? And so this this new excuse comes out. And I don't know about you, but uh, that was never an excuse for me even when I was in college. Not because I'm that old. We had computers when I was in college. One of my kids asked me that the other day. Yes, son, we had computers. Uh, But when I went to college, I actually didn't take a computer with me to university. I used a computer lab. Some of you remember the computer lab, and there was like one computer in a giant room, right? I'm not that old. There were multiple desktop computers, but when I went to school, I didn't have one. We had a family computer, and my parents upgraded that family computer, and so they gave me the old one. And I remember coming back to to my college on a Greyhound bus, getting dropped off about an hour away, Metro, from my university, not complaining, just telling you the story. When I was a kid, I had to walk to school uphills both ways in the snow. And I remember having that computer in a suitcase, and in a Green Army duffel bag. Like the monitor was in one and, the, and the, the, the unit was in the other, wrapped in clothes. And I remember schlepping, that's a good word, isn't it? That thing all the way from the Greyhound bus station at Union Station in D.C. Uh, to my college uh, in northwest D.C. And I was so excited because I could finally work in my room and do all the things that I needed to do. I didn't have to go to the computer lab, which, I mean, I get it. Like it wasn't that far away, right? 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 Like, I didn't have to walk uphill both ways to get to the computer lab, but I was excited because I could roll out of bed and I could type my papers, and I remember calling the university technical staff and said, hey, would you come and hook this thing into the network? And they said, tell us what kind of computer it is, and I didn't, and they said, no, because it's so old, it will slow our network down. They refused to put my computer into the network, and so... If I wanted to do anything uh, in terms of in, in integration with the, with the web, I had to go to a computer lab, but I could still type my papers and print them out on my dot, dot matrix printer. Remember those? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you'd print, you'd print a 10-page paper, and 20 minutes later, it'd still be going, some of you are looking at me like, what in the world? Just open up a history book. You can learn all about it. You know you're old when you go to the uh, Smithsonian and you see the camcorder you grew up with in the Smithsonian. <laughs> now, for me, that my, I did not have an excuse. My professors would not accept I could not get it done because I didn't have a computer. And I get it. There's a digital divide that sometimes keeps people from being able to get their work done. But how many of you know, God, in, by God's grace, there are workarounds? <laughs> All the parents are like, yeah, there is. Figure it out. But here's the thing, oftentimes we are given jobs to do. Have you ever had a job to do where you had the wrong tool to do it? Or you're too lazy to get the tool out that needs set up to do it, and so you try to do it with a hand tool instead, and halfway through you're like, why am I doing this? Or have you ever had a job to do and you have absolutely no energy to do it? You're like, I don't, I don't have an ounce left in me to get this done. Or have you ever had a job to do and you have no idea how to do it? That's my paralysis. My wife will tell you, if there's a a project around the house, I'm more than willing to do it. I'm more than willing to set the time aside to do it. Most of the time, I have energy to do it. But if I don't understand what I'm doing, I will sit paralyzed until I figure it out. But the moment it strikes me is the moment I start to get it done. And my wife's like, this is not convenient for the time of year that you decided that you now know how to do this project. The, The barn door that's out here, Uh, it occurred to me, I was shopping for something else for the church and I saw the hardware to do that and I said, I could do that today. (laughs) And so I bought the hardware, made some phone calls to my incredible staff and said, get this, 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 and this for me right there. I'm doing this. And one of my staff was like, man, you're motivated. I had the idea. I'm ready to do it. Let's go. And we got it done and it it was a lot of fun. Thank you all for whoever helped me to do that. But sometimes... We have these missions that are in front of us that are impossible. And I don't know about you, but some of us like the challenge of a mission impossible, but some of us are crippled by the impossibility of what's in front of us. How many of you get crippled by the impossibility? You have an idea for something, you have a vision for something, you have a dream for the way the kingdom's supposed to work, you have an idea of the way your marriage could work or the way your children could grow up or a project that you want to do around the house or some way that you want to advance life and you're crippled by the impossibility of it. It's a great dream but it's impossible because you lack the resources to get it done. Today we're going to continue our series called Scent where we're looking at how God has sent us. The whole idea of this series is this, that God sent Jesus and Jesus sent us. And so we learn that we've been sent. Jesus was sent in love and we've been sent in love. We learn that Jesus was sent on mission. He had a purpose and we've been sent on mission. Today, we're going to talk about what to do when the mission is impossible. We're going to talk about how Jesus was sent in power and how we're sent in power. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Now, if you've been around long enough, you know that Christmas is not my favorite time of year, although the Lord is changing my heart, and you are a part of my heart being changed. It is wonderful to sing Christmas songs with you. Really, seriously, because our hearts are changed as we come into God's presence with God's people. So thank you for being part of God's process to warm the Grinch heart that your pastor has. So this is not a classic Christmas series, but where we've been talking about how Jesus was sent, which obviously has to do with Christmas, and today we're going to focus in on how he was sent, literally, to Mary. We're going to talk about what to do when we have an impossible situation in front of us, because the truth is this, the kingdom that God has called us to, and the mission that he's called us on that we talked about last week, is impossible. That's a good thing that we serve a God of possibility. Because the truth is this, I have no ability to change a human heart. And you have no ability to change a human heart. Have you ever tried to change a human heart? I mean, we try with our kids all the time, and sometimes it's like beating our heads against the wall. Sometimes we just need to get it from the Lord. Or we have an impossibility in front of us because the mission is there. And we would say, God, have you seen my heart? You've called me to carry your heart of love. you called me to live on mission. God, have you seen my heart? Do you know what goes on in my brain? Do you see the thoughts that I have towards your kingdom or towards you or towards the people in your kingdom? Do you hear the words that are rumbling around in my heart? Do you hear the words that come out of my mouth? God, this is an impossibility for me to be part of your kingdom. Or God, we, we would say, God, do you know the family I come from? Do you know the background that I have? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know the neighborhood that I grew up in? Do you know the abuse that I've suffered? Do you know that the abuse, about the abuse that I have put upon other people? Like it's, do you, God, do you understand? The family I, I currently live in, like it's just enough for us to show up to church and pretend that we didn't try to kill each other on the way. Here's the truth. God has so much more for us than we realize even now. I'm going to say that again because it needs to hit our hearts. And as it hits our hearts together, it's going to explode with the power of God among us. Listen, each person in this place, I don't care if you walked into this place and last night You did some stuff you're really embarrassed of or you walked into this place thinking that you are more full of God than you've ever been in your life before. The truth is this, God has so much more for us than what we are experiencing even today. And I believe that God in his goodness is going to increase our faith today to believe that the mission he has sent us on, that the love he's called us to experience and carry is not an impossibility because of the power of God that is available to us and through us. And five of you are ready to come. I believe today that as we look at Scripture, we are going to see with brand new eyes who the Lord is and who we are. And what He desires and has for us by the power of His Spirit. So I encourage you this morning to lift your eyes. I encourage you this morning to come to His Word with a new hope and a new expectation for who He is. And what He wants to do specifically in you. Because the truth is this, it's glorious. It's glorious when He does it. Jesus was sent in power. Look with me at Luke chapter 1. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Talk about a powerful vision from the Lord. We're very comfortable with this happening in the past. We're very comfortable with Mary having this vision from the Lord because it's so far removed sometimes from our own experience. But I would put before you today that the Lord desires to encounter his people in the same way that he encountered Mary, with the same power that he encountered her. Now, don't get me wrong. You are not Mary, the mother of Jesus. Don't don't, don't go home and start telling your family that. That's a whole other conversation. We can set up appointments in the new year to talk about that if that's what you walk away with. But here's what I do want you to understand. That the same God that encountered Mary, the same power and purpose and presence with which the angel Gabriel was sent to Mary to announce the coming of the kingdom is the same way that God wants to encounter you. Because here's what Mary said, and this is what often happens as we encounter God. We hear about the glory of God. We hear about the plans and the purposes that God has for us in the midst of that glory. And we do exactly what Mary does. Mary says in the very next verse, she says, how can this happen? Because I'm a virgin. How many of you know that's a legitimate question? But here's the point. Oftentimes when God comes to us and starts talking about his kingdom, starts talking about the power that he wants to fill the world with, the mission that he calls us on, most of us have very logical questions. And we can either let those logical questions lead us to God and say, God, would you give me an answer to it? Or we can just let those logical questions kind of sit out there in the atmosphere and we don't enter into a conversation with God about how he wants to do it. And Mary by faith entered into that conversation with the angel. She said, "How could this happen because I'm a virgin?" And she didn't walk away. She listened to the answer. And here's what the answer said, or the angel said. Gabriel replied, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God." And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. That word power here is the same word that you're going to see. We're going to look at three kind of scripture accounts this morning. It's the same word used there, and it's the word dunamis. It literally is where we get the word dynamite. It's the power of heaven available to us, in us, and through us to accomplish the work of God. How many of you know that the angel Gabriel announcing to Mary what God was doing was the inauguration of the kingdom of God in the flesh? He was saying, a king is coming to you. God's plans and purposes are literally going to be fulfilled through you. And she's like, I don't understand. And he says, listen, it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about God doing his work of power in us, we have to understand that we need to recognize the need first. What God was asking of Mary was impossible, except the truth is this, and we read it in the scripture, nothing is impossible with God. Jesus was literally sent in power. His conception with Mary was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus was sent. And he was sent in power. Look at, with me at the next verse. This is where we talk about receiving the gift of that power for ourselves. Acts chapter 1, if you want to turn with me there, verse 6. This is after Jesus lived his life, was crucified, dead, buried, and rose again. He was spending time with his apostles and with his disciples. He was giving them instructions. And here's what the scripture says. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word power is the same word. Jesus was sent with power, and he sent his apostles, his sent ones, with power by the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, and while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, and someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Imagine the, 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 the scene, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, his apostles, he's already told them, remember we talked about this in the beginning, when Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he said, listen, I'm sending you. Right after the cross, he comes to his disciples. He says, listen, I'm sending you. He's literally about to leave, and he says, he's gathered his apostles, his sent ones among them, and he's saying, listen, I'm sending you. They're they're saying, hey, can you do something here? And he says, listen, I'm sending you in power. But, uh, like, imagine that scene. (laughs) Jesus says, I'm going to send you with power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then he ascends, and they're like, just... I would have a hard time remembering what he just said because I'm watching this. He's leaving in power. <laughs> and the white-robed ones, white-robed men, the angels that come to minister to declare, declare the truth about what's about to happen. The way you saw him leave in power is he's going to return in power. We need to not only recognize the need like Mary did, but we need to receive the gift that Jesus promised which is Holy Spirit and the power that comes with him to accomplish the purposes to which God has called us. And our last scripture we're going to focus on today, where we see what this power does is in the very two chapters over, same book, chapter 3 of Acts. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and he stood on his feet and he began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had so often seen by the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade or porch, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And then Peter saw his opportunity, and he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us? As though we had made this man walk by our own power in godliness. Peter says, listen, it is not by our own power, dunamis, same word, that you have seen this done. And then Peter goes on to preach to the crowd and thousands are added to the kingdom that day. In this place, we see that Jesus sent his disciples in power to reach the lost. So for you and me today, we're going to talk for just a few minutes about some ideas around this power, but we first need to understand that God has called us to recognize the need for the power, receive the gift of his power, and reach the lost with his power. So let's talk about being sent in power. What is God trying to speak to you and me? What are some ideas that we can take away from these accounts that will help us understand how to walk in the power of God, how to be sent as Jesus was in power? First is this, God's power is perplexing. Sometimes the power of God does not make sense. Oftentimes, the power of God will not make sense to you and to me. Mary was confused and disturbed by the angel Gabriel. The apostles were staring into heaven, wondering what was going on. The crowd in Acts chapter 3 were astounded and amazed and staring at what the scene was happening in front of them. In fact, If you read a little bit later in Acts chapter 4, verse 17, these same apostles, Peter and John, were brought before the council. And the council, as they brought them in, demanded, they were wondering, by what power or in whose name have you done this? The power of God often among us, and not just among us, but outside of these walls, will cause us a little bit of perplexing. It's time for you and for me to get over this idea that we are just going to be regular, routine people in the kingdom. If you want to live a life of a regular Joe or a regular Jill and you just want to kind of slide by and you want to not rock the boat too much, and you want to just kind of do this Christian thing, but not the weird Christian thing, you're probably going to be sadly disappointed about what God has called you to. Because the kingdom that you and I have been called to is one of wonder. It's one of power. It's one of Sometimes and often having to wonder as to what God is up to, and sometimes having to explain the unexplainable, or just say, I have no idea. The power of God on display causes people to wonder. And if we're going to be sent in the power that Jesus was sent in, it will cause us, and not just us to wonder, but the people around you. How many of you have neighbors that look at you a little funny already? How many of you have family that wonders, why in the world are you so religious? That's their language. How many of you have coworkers that are just absolutely befuddled by the fact that you love Jesus? And don't act like everybody else. Listen, those are small things in compared to the power of God being displayed through us. If we find that hard to explain, how are we going to explain the miracle that God wants to do in our office next week? If we have a hard time explaining to people why we follow Jesus, how are we going to explain when 10 or 12 of our neighbors just start coming to Jesus because we have started to operate in the power of God? It's time for us to get over the idea that we're just regular people and routine people. The power of God is often perplexing. Number two is this. The power of God is a privilege. God's disciples have His intention Attention and his power. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, You have found favor with the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, But you will receive. Peter says to the layman, What I have, I give you. Here's the truth when you and I walk with God, we have his attention. Just this morning, I don't know if anybody saw, but Charlotte had a real good time doing flips during worship. One of the times, by the way, thank you, Hannons, for just hanging out with her. I looked back a couple times. You guys are like, she's good. But I also saw her, like, sitting there explaining her outfit to everybody. And, like, nobody was paying attention. She was just talking, like, anyways. She came running back to me, and she stopped. And I think some people heard her. She goes, Dad, don't I look beautiful? And I was like, you look gorgeous. And she's like, let's do a flip. Like, she just was, like, going right to the next thing. Like, this is obviously the outfit to do flips in. Because it's beautiful. But the truth is this. She had to get my attention. And oftentimes, my wife will tell you, people need to get my attention. Because I will, I, we had a conversation the other night. I think you had a conversation, yeah, the other night. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you said, hey, we're going to do this. I said, we're going to do what? And she said, we just talked about this. Like, we had the whole conversation. And I said, please, you were very gracious. I said, please remind me of what we talked about because... I was in the room, but I was not in the room. You know what I'm saying? But the truth is this. You don't have to spend a lot of time to get your dad's attention. In fact, you don't have to do anything to get his attention. His attention is upon you. His eyes are upon you. His eyes are upon me because we're his kids. And that's not in just some general sense like, God sees everything. No, his literal attention because he is God is on every single one of his kids right now. And here's the truth. If his eyes are on you, his power Is available to you. His power is available to you because his eyes are upon you. You, as children, have found favor with the Lord. You, as children, will receive. You, as children, have the ability to possess and have the power of God, the name of Jesus, full of power. We have to begin to understand the great favor that we have in Jesus. You and I have favor with our dad, because of Jesus. And for many of us, we have lived unaware and unsure of that for way too long. What does it mean when somebody lives unassured and unaware of their father's attention and favor? It means we've chosen to live as orphans. Because it's not like he's not there calling us in. We just haven't received it. It's time to receive and walk our, in our identity and our inheritance. Look at your neighbor and tell him you are a son or a daughter of God. Now look at your neighbor and say this, you have all the power of God available to you. That's our inheritance as his kids. We've been sent in power three for a purpose. The power of God is to move God's kingdom forward listen as we talk about the power of God we're not talking about a bunch of uh, charismatic Christians sitting around in church hooting and hollering so that we can hoot and holler we're not talking about a a group of people that demonstrate the power of God within these four walls and leave the power of God within these four walls God has given us his power to advance his kingdom that literally was true for Mary Mary The Holy Spirit descended upon Mary according to the word of the Lord delivered by Gabriel. Not because he just wanted to do something special in the earth. It's because he was literally delivering the king. He's pushing the kingdom forward. The kingdom would not be a kingdom unless the king had come. And the king had come. It was for kingdom advancement that God showed his power in Mary. It was for kingdom advancement that God gave his apostles Holy Spirit. In fact, the apostles had a different uh, thought about that. Jesus is resurrected, and they're like, great, we're here, and now we get the kingdom. They said, is it time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus was like, it is so much bigger than Israel being freed and the kingdom being given to you. Oftentimes, we see the power of God displayed among us, and we think it somehow has to do with us. We treat God like a cosmic vending machine. We say, yes, we believe in the power of God if the power of God will be good for us. The power of God is good for us and God does miracles in us and with us and through us and we can ask Him personally for those miracles but the purpose of the power of God is to advance the kingdom. And He does those miracles for us to advance His kingdom in us and through us. Because He loves us and He wants to see His kingdom spread everywhere and He knows that it is good. For us and for the entire world. The power of God was available to Peter for a purpose. Listen, this is Peter that was afraid a few months before of a little girl, not to mention a crowd. And it wasn't so much that Peter was just filled with a new boldness. Peter was also filled with a new mentality. Peter saw, the Scripture says, his opportunity Peter went from living to protect his own skin, of keeping the power of God. He had a, how many of you know Peter, before Jesus died, saw the power of God over and over and over again in terms of miracles? He literally saw Jesus transformed into his glorious self on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter saw the power of God, but there was something that kept the power of God inside of him. In fact, Peter even denied knowing Jesus to a little girl and backed away from the power of God that could have been displayed. But something changed in Peter. He received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and it not only changed his experience, it changed his mindset. He went from saying, I've got to protect myself, I've got to not be weird, I don't know what this looks like, to saying, when the power of God is displayed, I have a new mentality that allows me to see the opportunity. And Peter sees the crowd gathering in response to the power of God being poured out, and he says, now, now is the time, I have an opportunity. And he preaches in 2,000 people. 2,000 people from an ordinary guy who a couple months before didn't get it and was afraid of a couple people. Because the power of God was displayed, saw his opportunity to see the kingdom advance. God has given us his power for the purpose. The power of God is not for you and me to build our own kingdom, the power of God is to build his kingdom. Number four, the pro- power of God. Always addresses impossible situations, addresses problems. Mary said to the angel, How could this be for I am a virgin? How many know that's a problem? If God is going to bring you a son, there's a problem in the natural if you aren't married and aren't doing the things that produce children. The power of God always handles the impossible mission. God is going to pour out his kingdom through his apostles and his sent ones. He's going to take them from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Think about that for a minute. Some of us have had the privilege to travel to the ends of the earth. And we're like really, you know, proud of ourselves because we got on an airplane for 13 hours. On a really comfortable seat with entertainment in front of us and somebody bringing us food every couple of hours and a moist towelette, and we're like, man, I'm really suffering for Jesus here going around the world. When, think about it for a minute. When God declared to the apostles, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, okay, I get that. We're in Jerusalem. Judea, okay, we could prob, we've walked there before. Samaria, yeah, we've gone through there. That's a little bit impossible, but you know, Jesus ministered to those people and the kingdom came to them, so we kind of see what that looks like. But then he says, to the ends of the earth. Think about the impossibility of that to a group of nobodies from Jerusalem. Think about it for a minute. Their kingdom mindset was the kingdom uh, that they had walked. And, And yet God's saying to you, you're going to be my witnesses all around the earth. God is able to do the impossible with very simple implements and very simple people. So the mission impossible might be this, like I said before, you, you and I have no way to change a heart. Like we can't change a really easy heart to change and we can't change a hard heart, but God can. We could say, you know what, I'm not bold, that's my problem, I just don't have the boldness to declare this. I'm not like Pastor Josh, I, I can't speak in front of other people. Listen, I don't know if you know this, and I think I might have shared it from the pulpit, I did everything in college to avoid public speaking, Everything. I took every opportunity. I wanted to take a, uh, a major that we call, it was specific to my university, the acronym was CLEG. It was Communications, Law, Economics, and Government. I wanted to do all of it except the communications part. And so I didn't do it. I just did political science. So I could avoid speaking. Now I like to talk, but I don't like to talk in front of crowds all the time. In fact, there's oftentimes that I don't, Speak well in front of people. Where I get nervous about my words. And yet when we step into the anointing of God, God works his power through us. And so God comes and addresses the problems that we have. Or we maybe we've tried and failed in our own power to minister before. And the Lord says, I want to do it in my power. See, we need power. Here's the truth: power is not an extra. We have to understand this. In the kingdom, power is not an option. It's not like we're going into the kingdom and we're buying a car. And we say, hey Jesus, I would like the base model of Christianity here. Like, can I come to you and let's just, uh, you know, I'll tithe and you just give me like a pretty easy going way on this pathway. Would you just give me stuff that I can do in my own power? I really, you know what? I, I don't mind rolling the windows down. Like We can, just, we can do this Christian thing, and I, I, I'll just do the easy stuff. Like Maybe once or twice I'll talk to my neighbors, I'll lead my family to Jesus, and we're just going to call it quits at that. Because I don't need a whole lot of power for that. I think I can figure that out. That's not how the kingdom works. We don't get to choose and decide what model of the kingdom we're coming into. The model of the kingdom that we're coming into is a fully loaded kingdom. And so God's calling us into his kingdom to solve impossible things. If we live in a kingdom that does not require the power of God, we do not live in his kingdom. If we live in a kingdom that does not require the power of God, we do not live in his kingdom. We live in a different kingdom. It's either ours or somebody else's. But it's not his. Got real uncomfortable in here just now. Maybe that's the challenge this morning. If that challenges you, maybe that's a place to start. God, whose kingdom am I living in? Fifth is this. God's power worked through us requires permission. Our yes is necessary. If we want to see the power of God and the kingdom of God advance with his power, it's going to require us to say yes. Some of us are uncomfortable with that. Well, God can do whatever he wants. The truth is this. God is looking for our yes. When the angel came to Mary, Mary had to give her yes. She said, be it unto me everything that you have said. In fact, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Listen, there's something about your and my amen that resounds in heaven that brings God glory. All God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus. You and I don't have to do another thing for those promises to be true. But if we want them to be part of our lives, we have got to say yes to his promises. We've got to add our amen to what God has said. I wonder if what it would have looked like if the, if the angel Gabriel was like, hey, Mary, this is how it's going to go. And she's like, oh, yeah, about that. Um, I got this trip to visit my cousin uh, Elizabeth in a couple weeks, and I'm not really sure that I want to go there pregnant and not married. And so, like, could we wait a couple years? Or I'm going to be married to Joseph in a little bit and this whole thing's going to go over a whole lot better with my family if we kind of do it that way. What if it was our response to God, be it unto me? You need to see the power of your yes. We need to understand the power of our yes. It's time to let the struggle stop. It's time to lead with a yes. I don't know about you, but we don't have the whole account of Mary's interaction with Gabriel. I don't know. I mean, maybe we do. Maybe it was just that simple. But it doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of, okay, give me all the details before I said yes. She just said, yes, let everything that you have said be for me. What was she saying yes to? She was saying yes to being pregnant without being married. She was saying yes to having to explain to Joseph and the entire community what was going on. She was saying yes to the kingdom of God. And she didn't even know this, having to go and travel and, having, and to bear her child in a place that was strange to her. She, she was saying yes to running from Herod into Egypt and leaving her entire community. She was saying yes to raising the Son of God. I mean, it's bad enough when your kids try to tell you what to do, but can you imagine raising the Son of God? She was saying yes to not having her child with her because he had stayed in the temple and was in his father's house. She said yes to the purposes of God. She said yes to not having grandchildren with Jesus. She said yes. How many of you, like, that's a big deal, right? She was saying yes to her son being crucified and ridiculed. She was saying yes to us and she had no idea that she was saying yes to us. Maybe it's time for us to stop trying to figure out what we're saying yes to and just say Yes. Like, God, I trust you. I trust your power working in my life. It's like this. Let me give. You, how, many, how about a little bit of business advice? How many of you have a boss of some sort or another? Can I give you a little bit of business advice? If you want things to go well for you with your boss, here's how you lead a conversation with your boss, any conversation. Go to your boss and say, hey, boss, you can have whatever you want. I guarantee you if you start your conversations with your boss that way, it will go well for you. And you're like, "Oh, you don't know my boss." I'm telling you, if I don't your boss will be shocked by that from some of you. What? Yeah, you can have whatever you want. But especially if you want to share something that's a little bit difficult with your boss, or you want to give them a new idea and they're not open to new ideas, if you start your conversation with, you can have whatever you want, it goes much better for you. Listen, if you start your conversation with God with, God, you can have whatever you want, you're going to have access to more than you ever imagined you could have access to. Because God is not your boss. God's even better. So it's time for us to start with, yes, give him our permission. Number six, God's kingdom requires position. Where we are determines what power we will see. Mary said, be it unto me all that you have said. In other words, she had to walk out everything that God was saying. God told his disciples in Luke chapter, Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 24, verse 19, "Uh, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay in the city until the Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. He was literally telling them, this is how your position matters. Go and wait until you receive it. Peter and John were going to the temple, being witnesses in Jerusalem according to the purposes of Jesus, and they weren't hiding in the upper room. Can you imagine if that had been the the, the story of the kingdom? Where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. Everybody there is filled with tongues. Other people hear it. Peter preaches it in a moment of boldness. The church grows to 3,000. They're like, yeah, great, 3,000. That's a good-sized church for us. Let's just kind of keep coming to the upper room and let's see this power of God thing happen here and we'll see some miracles and some healing and yeah, we're just kind of happy with that. And so Peter and John applied themselves not to just staying in the upper room, but they applied themselves to first being witnesses in Jerusalem. They were willing to do what God asked them to do and God met them in power. See, you and I need to understand, we cannot demand or earn the power of God. We can't can't earn or demand it. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Listen, we don't minister in our own righteousness anyway. Catch this. Oftentimes, as Christians, we think that the power of God moving through us, and this is a lie that some of us are struggling with right now, that the power of God moving through us has something to do with how good we are for God. And so when we have a good quiet time or we wake up and we're nice to our family and our day's going pretty good, we think, wow, the power of God could really work through me today because I'm generally in a good spot with God and we expect the power of God to move in that place. But the problem with that is is that that is dependent on our own righteousness. The power of God moving in us and through us is not dependent on our righteousness in any way, shape, or form. The power of God moving through us is not dependent on our righteousness in any way, shape, or form. Because if it did, we would be anemic. But the problem is we think that it does. And that's why we don't experience the power of God among us. We think it somehow depends on us. And we would all say, no, Pastor, that's not really true. But it is true. That's how we operate. I know this because some of the times that I've been most aware of the power of God moving in my life have been the parts and times in my life when I've been most unrighteous. When I've been struggling in my heart, when I've been struggling in my mind, when I've been struggling literally with sin, those are the times that I have seen. Some of you are nodding your heads. You know what I'm talking about. Those are the times that we see God move most powerfully in our lives. And we're wondering, God, do I have to be like in this perpetual state of brokenness for you to move? And that's not true. God has required us and called us to live righteously. But the thing is, we let the power of God move when we know that we need it. And when we think somehow that our own righteousness determines whether or not the power of God moves, we stop needing it because we think it depends on us. And God is calling us to a place where we know that it depends on Him. And so we don't earn it, but we position ourselves for it. How do we position ourselves to receive the power of God? We spend time with Him. We're not going to run around ministering in the power of God if we don't even know who He is. We haven't spent time with Him. We we position ourselves to receive the power of God when we live on mission. If we expect the power of God just because we need a better parking space at Walmart, we have missed the point of the power of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that I do have a parking spot anointing. You can ask my wife about it. It's pretty amazing. And that's a joke. But for many of us, that's the limit of what we expect the power of God in our lives, to make our lives easier in some way, shape, or form. And yet, God's calling us to live on mission. And when we live on mission, it requires the power of God. And guess what? When the power of God is required, not demanded, but required, because we're living on mission, we can believe by faith that God will back up his word and will demonstrate his power. We position ourselves to experience the power of God by avoiding sin. Not earning it. Not somehow becoming righteous. But we know that when we are in sin, we are running away from God's plans and purposes for our lives, right? We access and position ourselves for the power of God by pressing in. Pressing into what? Pressing into his presence. Number seven, God's power is present because he is here. God's power is with us because he is with us. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 were not depending on the money that they had in their pockets, first of all, because they didn't have any. I don't think they were lying. They weren't like you and me when somebody asks us for money outside a restaurant. We say, sorry, I don't have any. How many of you are really excited when you don't have change in your pocket and somebody asks you for change? Sorry, bro, I don't have any. Peter and John literally didn't have any cash on them. And yet they said, what I do have is the one who's with me. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They, they literally explained it later. They said, we didn't do this. Jesus did this. Jesus who walks with me. The name of Jesus. The f- faith in the presence and the, the, the ability of God has done this. See, the presence of God is not our personal power. It's God power. It's not our personal godliness. It's God's godliness. It's not our pedigree. And it's not clever words. Nobody has been one to Jesus because somebody was just a good preacher with a good message. They've been one to Jesus because somebody was willing to open their mouth. And the Holy Spirit came and moved on a heart. Challenged our way of thinking. And opened up The power of the kingdom to us. This is what happens when he is with us. His presence. There's a, a popular song right now that says your presence is an open door. When God is with us, anything is possible. With God, nothing is impossible. Sometimes we think, okay, that means that God can do the impossible. It's true, but catch this. There's a meaning to that. When we are with God, And God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Literally, Jesus being sent. Holy Spirit residing with us. Nothing is impossible. And here's the last point if the worship team can come. For the power of God to be displayed, there has to be some type of proclamation. We preach, we talk, we declare the power of God. At some point, if we are going to see the power of God displayed among us, we literally need to talk about it and talk about Jesus. See, there's this common misconception among us that I will just demonstrate the kingdom of God with my actions. And I would say this, our words and our actions should match up. But, There's no chance for those actions to match our words until we open our mouths and speak the words. The kingdom of God, the gospel of God, the good news of Jesus advances as you and I say it from our mouths. People don't get the gospel because you stand in front of them and say, telepathically, gospel. And I get it. As we serve people and we love people, as Jesus served them and loved them, it opens the door. It demonstrates. But at some point, for the power of God to be displayed, there has to be an opening of our mouths, a declaration of who God is. That's why if you look at the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, people spoke in languages they had never learned before. There has to be a proclamation that comes how did the power of God get poured out for Mary? It came through a proclamation. Can you imagine if Mary just ended up pregnant one day without any proclamation from an angel? I mean, it's bad enough that she had to tell, say, hey, an angel told me this. But there's no, there's no explanation The power of God came upon Mary according to the word of God through the angel Gabriel. The apostles, the sent ones, you and I even knowing that we are apostles and sent ones, came through the words of Jesus for us. He declared that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon us. There had to be proclamation for us to understand, for the disciples, for the apostles to understand. For the layman at the temple, there had to be a proclamation. Give me your attention, they said to him. Look at us. I want to say something to you. And as Peter reached out with his hands and declared the name of Jesus, The man was healed. Peter, the one who saw that miracle happen through his words and through his hands, not his own power, but through him, said this about the, about the prophets. In 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 12, he said, they were told that their message was not for themselves. He's speaking about the Old Testament prophets who were talking about Jesus. He said, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. What is Peter saying? Peter saying, I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it in my own body. I, I, I spoke the words and the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached with power by the Holy Spirit. And all of heaven is watching it happen right now and is super excited about it. But he wasn't saying they're super excited about it because I'm doing it. They're saying they're super excited about it because this is what the entire world and kingdom was built for. For you and for me to receive this. That we would declare the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we would rely on the power of God to not only give us the words to say and the delivery but also that God would back it up with His power. Because we're living on mission. We've positioned ourselves. So how do you come this morning to this process? How do you come this morning? The truth is this. Let's just start with this. You and I have not been sent on a mission without power. We have been sent on a mission with the power of God to see that mission accomplished. Maybe you're here this morning and that confuses you. It's okay. He's willing to explain it. Maybe you're here this morning and you've really struggled about whether or not that power is for you. God's telling you very clearly it's for every one of His disciples. Maybe you're here this morning and you have wanted to see the power of God or maybe even have seen the power of God, but you've slipped into the idea that somehow it's for your own purposes You've been treating God like some kind of cosmic vending machine. and It's gotten frustrating because you say, God, I keep asking to see your power and I don't see it. What he's saying this morning is, live for my kingdom and my purpose and watch. Maybe you've been seeing what's in front of you as an impossibility. It's a huge problem. And God's saying this morning, it's not for Him. Nothing is impossible for Him. Maybe this morning you're in this place and you have never given God permission to do whatever He wants to do in your life. You say yes, but your yes is conditional. And that today He's saying, would you just give me your unconditional yes? Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't positioned yourself to receive this power. It hasn't been necessary for you. You've been running from God. You've got issues in your life and you said, it separated me from the power of God. Or maybe you're just living for yourself. God's saying in this moment, he's calling you to himself. He's here with his presence and he's ready to fill you with the proclamation of the good news by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does it start for us this morning? Maybe it just starts with our unconditional yes. God, I recognize that you've called me. I recognize the need that's in front of me. I recognize a world that is in need of a demonstration of your power. And all I'm saying, God, is I don't understand it all. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm gonna give you my unconditional yes. Can we start with that this morning? If you're ready to give him your unconditional yes, I want to ask you right now to stand before the Lord. Not because other people are standing. Not because you have it all figured out. But you're just saying, my unconditional yes is available to you, God. What would it look like for a group of 250 people to give God their unconditional yes? Not just here, but when we walk out of here. Not just now, but tomorrow morning as we're walking into our office. Not just in the place where it's comfortable, but maybe when we go to these tables that we're going to be at with our family over the next few weeks, where nobody wants anything to do with God? What does it look like for us to give Him our unconditional yes? Church, be encouraged. God takes good-looking, broken people like us or not-so-good-looking, broken people like us And He chooses in His wisdom to display His power in us. I'm not saying tell God the miracle that you want in the next few weeks. What I am saying is this. Just keep saying yes to God. Saying yes to God. Being obedient to Him. And do expect that His power will be displayed in you Probably in unusual and perplexing ways, but in ways that bring His glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in Your presence today. Holy Spirit, we're so glad that You're here. Jesus, we are in awe of You calling us to be sent like You were in power. Lord, would you continue to arrest our minds away from the things that we, patterns that we've established that don't require your power. I pray that we be continually confronted with the need for your power to be displayed. And in those moments, by your Spirit, you'd fill us with courage, not only to expect that you would do something powerful, but to declare with our mouths that you are able. Lord, simply because we've given you our unconditional yes, would you meet us and fill us and use us in your power? Jesus' name. Just keep your eyes closed for a minute. wonder if there's anybody in this place that have, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never said yes just to follow Him. I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you in this place, there are going to be some people that are up on either side of this platform this morning. I want to encourage you in this way. Just tap the person next to you and who came with you or who brought you and just say, hey, I need, to, I need to do that. I need to say yes to Jesus this morning for the first time. I need to surrender my life to him. And Would you take me to pray with one of these people? We'll lead you in what that looks like. And I'm telling you, it's the best yes you could ever give. If you're here this morning and you You do need a miracle in your life. We do believe that God does miracles. He responds to the prayers of His people. He wants to advance His kingdom in your life in ways you can never even imagine. So if you need a miracle, you need restoration, you want somebody to agree with you for the power of God to be displayed in your life, these altars, this place in front is open for you to respond that way. There's people that will pray with you as well. I want to encourage you to walk in the power of God. Pastor Dan, would you come now and close us? Thank
1: you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just a few announcements before we close. The ushers are in back for your giving. We want to remind our guests, uh, you're, no under obli- you're under no obligation to give, but if God's moved in your heart and you want to express your gratitude to him, uh, we will sure be glad to uh, receive that. All your options for giving are on the screen behind me. Uh, for extravagant giving, please use the envelopes that are in the pocket of the uh, chairs in front of you or you can give online. For if you're a visitor today and you're a guest, we encourage you stop by Guest Central in the lobby and uh, let us greet you and we have some gifts there for you. Christmas Eve service is at seven o'clock, uh, Christmas Eve, Dece- Tuesday night. Uh, It's a great service. It's candlelight. Uh, It's amazing. You're going to enjoy it. If you've never been here, you don't want to miss that. Wonder Why Sunday, December 29th. Submit your questions. There's sheets in the lobby for that, or you can do it on the website or on our app. And you may not know this, but on Sunday morning, January 5th, we're going to start having two services at 9 and 11. So we're going to start off the new year. This place is starting to get filled up when all the kids are in here. So two services starting Sunday, January 5th, 2020. And again, the prayer teams are available. Some folks are already taking advantage of that. If you have a need, don't leave without getting someone to agree with you in prayer. God is powerful. He sent his Son with power. He sent his Holy Spirit with power. He resides within you. He said when two or more agree on anything... In the name of Jesus Christ, God moves. So God bless you, Father. I bless your people. In the power of Holy Spirit, Lord, you've filled us. You've saved us. You've anointed us. You've given us all the gifts we need. We pray that this week, Lord, and every week of our lives, you will use us for your glory so that others can experience your goodness the way we each have. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Feel loved in the name of Jesus.